<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. First Metrosec is providing this podcast as a general market commentary. Reference to any specific security, product, or entity do not constitute as an offer or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The statements, comments, views, or opinions expressed by the hosts are subject to change without notice and First Metrosec is under no obligation to update, amend, change, or correct any of the statements, comments, views, or opinions expressed. The statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view of First Metrosec. First Metrosec disclaims any liability arising from reliance on or reference to any information obtained in this podcast. You are listening to First Metro Securities Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast, where we feature timely and relevant discussions on the Philippine stock market and the economy in the hope of providing you investing and trading guidance. Here's your host, Royce Aguilar, from the Research Department at First Metro Sec. All right. So good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our event entitled Capitalizing on the Growing Demand for Renewable Energy with Citicore Energy Reed Corp. So this special session is brought to you by First Metro Securities. I'm Royce Aguilar, First Metro Securities Deputy Head for Retail Research. In the next hour, Citicore Energy Reed Corp. will share the recent developments and how they have expanded throughout the years and post-IPO. So before we officially begin, let me introduce to you our speakers for today. So with us today... Mr. Oliver Tan, President and CEO of Citicor Energy Reed Corp and Citicor Renewable Energy Corp. We also have Ms. Joanne Cosico, Director, President of Citicor Property Managers Inc. and Head of Investor Relations of Megawide Construction Corp and Citicor Power Inc. Last but not least, we have Ms. Mia Cortez, Chief Financial Officer of Citicor Energy Reed Corp. So if everyone's ready, Mr. Oliver, Ms. Joanne, and Ms. Mia, you may now begin your presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Royce, and a pleasant afternoon. And thank you to First Metro Securities for having us and giving us access to your clients and allowing us to present all about the Citicore Energy Read. The next slide will show you our standard disclaimer. And our agenda for today will start with an overview of what CREIT is all about, which I'll discuss, after which we'll turn over to our CFO, Mia Cortez, to discuss with you some financial highlights, and we'll cap off the afternoon with Mr. Oliver Tan, CREIT's president and CEO, to share with you exciting project pipelines and growth opportunities. Of course, we'll have the Q&A portion at the end of the presentation. So if everyone's ready, we can proceed with this afternoon's proceedings, starting with an overview of the Citicore Energy REIT structure and how it is unique and a cut above the rest of the REITs in the market. The sponsors, Citicor Renewable Energy Corporation or CREC and Citicor Solar Tarlac One are renewable energy companies and serve as CREIT sponsors and currently own 61.7% while the balance is owned by public shareholders at 38.2%. It's public float compliant to the REIT law. In further compliance to the REIT law, we have established Citicor Fund Managers, Inc., and the Citicorp Property Managers, Inc., both 100% owned by the sponsors. The CREIT asset portfolio is comprised of one solar plant and six parcels of land that are all leased out to fully operational solar plant operators. The tenants are power companies that operate solar plants and generate electricity sales from either government or customers and pay 95% of its power generation earnings to CREIT in the form of a guaranteed base annual lease, thus ensuring a steady and recurring lease revenue. CREIT also stands to receive variable rental from the lessees equivalent to 50% of the incremental gross revenues earned by the lessees from any excess of actual energy generated over its base revenues. This captures the tariff upside in the renewal period of the off-date contracts. CREIT in a snapshot, these are our big picture numbers. We have 145 megawatt DC installed capacity, which is the third largest, almost 2 million in square meters of its land portfolio, 
100% occupancy with 20.8 years weighted average lease expiry. And of course, the tenant profile is the bluest of all blue chips in the country. So these are partners since 2015. The next slide features the details of the Sirik asset portfolio, including the recently acquired Bulacan and South Cotabato properties. Sirit has a total land portfolio of more than 1.9 million square meters nationwide, with an appraised value of about 10.9 billion. These land parcels are strategically located in next wave cities and are leased out to operating solar plants with a combined capacity of 145 megawatt DC. In addition to these land assets, Sirit also owns a 22.3 megawatt solar power plant, Clark Solar Plant, and is also being leased out to solar power operators, thus making CREIT the only REIT in the market with a clean and green asset portfolio. Further dissecting CREIT's asset portfolio, you will find that out of the six land parcels, three are owned. Armenia, plus the recently acquired Bulacan and South Cotabato, and the three other land parcels in the CREIT portfolio that have long-term leasehold rights, namely Toledo, Silay, and Dalayap. Note that Toledo and Dalayap has a right of first refusal on the property should it become available for sale. The Clark property, which is included in the CREIT asset portfolio, has a long-term lease with Clark Development Corporation, and the plant is leased out to CREIT as lessee, who then pays CREIT property lease payments in exchange for the use of the said solar plant. Note that the six land assets have all long-term lease contracts, for 25 years, with provisions for renewal for another 25 years, providing CREIT stable and recurring lease revenues from its solar operator tenants. As with any lease, it is important to look at the occupancy rates and vacancy rates. CREIT's occupancy rates will always be at 100% over a long-term horizon as each of the CREIT assets are leased out to a single tenant only. An operating solar power company and is backed by a long-term lease agreement. CREIT as a lessor of the six land properties and one solar plant enjoys a superior 20.82 years weighted average lease expiry or whale and is the longest whale among all the listed REITs, which just ranges about five to seven years. Rising vacancies that have plagued both commercial and office building REITs are not evident in the CREIT leases, which are occupied by operating solar plant companies as they remain fully operational regardless of the level of quarantine previously imposed. CREIT's tenants have long-term offtake agreements with a diverse customer base, eliminating any heavy dependence on a particular industry or sector. 27% of the total contracted capacity of the lessees have a long-term feed-in tariff program with the government through the National Transmission Corporation, or TRANSCO. This is a long-term, guaranteed power purchase agreement, which is expected to generate stable revenue stream for the solar plant operators. The rest of CREIT lessees' capacity are contracted to various blue-chip companies and its customers such as AC Energy, Shell Energy, Freeport Area of Bataan, and various industrial parts in the country. If we look at the lessee's customers' off-take contracts, you will see that their customer's whale is at 6.8 years, still longer than the whales of the other REITs in the market. CREIT's lessee's contracts have good balance between long-term, providing stability, and short-term, providing flexibility. 63% of the contracts are to be renewed beyond 2025, while most of the contracts that are up for renewal this year have been renewed already. Majority of the tenants' customers have been renewing customers of the lessee since 2017 and have already undergone two to three renewal cycles to date. The lessee likewise enjoys a right to match price privilege by virtue of its long, good relationships with these customers. Even in the worst case of a non-renewal, CREIT's tenants are able to sell their electricity output through the WESM as they enjoy right of first defeat right of first dispatch, dispelling any stranded output and thereby protecting its revenue stream and its ability to pay its lease obligations to CREIT. Finally, CREIT is a platform for sustainable investing with its corporate social responsibility initiatives. 
The City Core Group has pioneered the agrosolar concept in the country where we find our solar farms coexisting with vegetable farming. This enables us to have the best uses of the land wherein we properly plan the location of the PV panels and plant various root crops and vegetables underneath the solar panels and alongside aisle access. This provides income augmentation for community farmers where our solar land properties are located. Our thrust for inclusive growth is further enacted with our partnership with TESTA by providing scholarships and employment opportunities to deserving but underprivileged students in the communities where our land properties are located. The Sirit-owned Clark Solar Plant and the rest of the solar plants located on the leased properties likewise contribute to the reduction of our carbon dioxide footprint, eliminating about 231,000 tons of CO2 per year or 7 million tons of CO2 for the entire design life of the plants. It is noteworthy to mention that Sirit has also been rated by Cicero Green, Norway's foremost institute for climate research. We have been given a dark green rating, the first in Southeast Asia, and under the Cicero Green rating standards, the dark green ranks the highest, and such rating is accorded to the company being evaluated depending on its environmental soundness of green projects and its long-term support for low carbon and climate resiliency. These sustainability initiatives and accolades are a testament to our commitment to providing CREIT investors a platform for sustainable and green investment. I now turn you over to our CFO, Mia Cortez, to walk you through the first half 2022 financial highlights. Thanks, Joe. We are pleased to report leasing revenues at $664 million for the first half of 2022. You will note that this is a remarkable increase from Q4 of 2021, as well as the first half of 2021. Recall that 95% of our 2021 revenues were previously from electricity sales from the Clark Solar Plant, as we have transitioned into a full renewable energy rate company since our February 2022 listing. As such, all our 2022 revenues now and moving forward will reflect leasing revenues from one plant and six land parcels in line with the true REIT structure. All of these have 100% occupancy. Gross profit for the period is at 616 million, representing 92.8% margin. Income from operation is at 607.2 million, while EBITDA is at 642.9 million, or a margin of 97%. Finance costs have decreased as loans have been moved up to the sponsor level, making Siri debt-free. Net income after tax is at 601 million, or an NPAT margin of 90.6%. CREITs Total assets as of June 2022 stands at 4.76 billion, while total equity stands at 4.3 billion. Earnings per share is at 0.10, while net asset value or NAV per share is at 2.12 per share. CREIT is currently unlevered and has zero debt, and as per rate IRR, may be allowed to take on additional debt of up to 35% of the value of its deposited property to provide funding support for future asset acquisition of CREIT. CREIT uses its adjusted fund from operations or AFFO as a basis for the payout ratio. This is computed as distributable income plus depreciation and amortization. Our Q2 dividends represents 107% of our distributable income. We shall be paying out dividends of 0.44 per share on September 14 to all shareholders on record as of August 19. Using the IPO price of 2.55 per firm share, estimated dividend yield is pegged at 7% in 2022, including any possible upside from the variable lease based on 100% AFFO payout ratio. Using the price at declaration date of July 20 of 2.38 per share, our annualized dividend yield is 7.33%. 
higher than the other REIT's average of about 6.3%. Note that CREIT also stands to receive a variable lease from the lessees, which is equivalent to 50% of the incremental gross revenues earned by the lessees from any excess of the actual energy generation from its base revenues. This also captures the tariff upside during the renewal period of the off-take contracts as they are renewed. They shall be computed at the end of the year and distributed as a special dividend in addition to the quarterly dividends paid representing series guaranteed base rental revenue. This completes our series financial highlights. I now turn you over to our president and CEO, Mr. Oliver Tan, to share with you some exciting growth news about Siri. Thank you, Mia. The 1.5 gigawatt project pipeline of the sponsor, SIREC, um, is in full swing. This shall provide Siri visibility on future growth as these pipeline projects are completed and commissioned. It will be infused into Siri. Can you show the next slide, please? CREC as sponsor is um, capable of end-to-end -end greenfield development, starting from land acquisition strategy, strong knowledge of the regulatory requirements, engineering, procurement, and construction capabilities, up to plants commissioning and operating the plant. From the current 145 megawatt capacity, we expect to have grown capacity to 950 megawatt, representing more than six times capacity growth by 2025. The next slide details the summary of various pipeline projects, including rooftop PV systems, traditional solar farms, and a runoff river hydropower plant. As of Q2 2022, CREC has completed the solar rooftop system as well as the Arayat Phase 1 project, uh, totaling to 72 megawatt DC. Both have been commissioned, energized, and are 100% operational. Arayat Phase 2 with another 42 megawatt has likewise commenced construction and is expected to be completed by end of the year. Sambales and Batangas projects are in advanced pre-development with land secured and ongoing engineering and design studies. Batangas project, in fact, has been expanded from, from its original 130 megawatt to 330 megawatt due to strong demand and freed up additional grid capacity in the area. We'd like to share with you, uh, next slide please, we'd like to share with you some latest photos of our AFAB rooftop projects that were installed on top of the 14 industrial buildings inside the Freeport area of Pataan, generating electricity and sold to various multinational locators in the area. Um, the next photos are taken from our Arayat Mexico Phase 1 solar project. This was recently commissioned and energized last March. This slide, uh, next slide please. Um, this slide shows you the status of the Arayat Phase 2. Um, this is a 42 megawatt project. As of July 20, percentage of completion is 15% and we expect to complete this by year end. Next slide. The CITICOR group has pioneered the agrosolar concept in the country where we find solar farms coexisting with vegetable farming. We plant various root crops and vegetables underneath the solar panels and along aisle access. After the success of the turmeric crops we previously harvested, we are now on our new crop rotation. We're about to commence planting of other high-value crops such as French beans, arugula, and peanuts. Income from this produce thereafter will be shared with the community farmers where our solar plants are located to help augment their income. Next slide. In summary, we would like to reiterate CREIT's strong uh, second quarter 2022 performance brought about by lease revenues and 100% occupancy from the seven green asset portfolio under CREIT. We have a strong balance sheet that allows us to have a solid footing to acquire pipeline assets that are value accretive to the REIT. Our tenants have a solid operating track record and continues to maintain a diversified customer base. CREC, as the sponsor, has a clear pipeline of projects with its 1.5 gigawatt project that may be acquired by CREC upon construction completion, commissioning, and commercial operation. With the above, we are confident that CREC will be able to deliver its planned dividends based on its guaranteed base lease with an upside potential coming from the share 
from the variable lease component, delivering a superior dividend yield to its shareholders. This ends our series company presentation and now welcome you to the Q&A portion. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Oliver, Ms. Joy, and Ms. Mia for that insightful presentation. Of course, as you mentioned, now it's the time for the most interesting part of this program, the live question and answer. But of course, again, we, have, we would like to thank our speakers for actually answering some questions ahead. And we'd like to just emphasize those answers for everyone for future reference for those listening to our podcast moving forward. So the first question to answer is, are there any plans to infuse additional assets in the future? So Sir Oliver Tan answered, yes. The sponsor has robust 1.5 gigawatts pipeline projects under development, and these projects will be infused into Siriet as and when they are completed. That's the first question. Second, what is your dividend distribution policy? The range will do. So Ms. Mia Cortez said, our policy is to distribute 90% of the distributable income in compliance with the REIT law. However, the company is projected to pay 100% of the distributable income for 2022 and 2023 and moving forward so long as compliant with our regulatory rules. So last of those set of questions we already answered is, what is the lease escalation and every when? The answer, the guaranteed base lease portion has minimal annual escalation. However, the variable lease component track the incremental tariff rates upon renewal. So actually for the next question, based from our live set of questions, in line with the second one already answered, it's an interesting question. How will Sirit grow its portfolio if it distributes 100% of its income? So feel free to answer the question. Go ahead. Um, typical to a, to a RITCO, uh, we are mandated by the law to distribute at least 90% per, 90 of its income. Um, however, for future acquisition, CRIT currently is unlevered, so it can actually issue uh, bonds or tap the capital market or, or borrow to fund the acquisition of new assets. And later on, it can also issue new shares to improve the public float and improve the liquidity. So CRIT has the flexibility to fund and grow uh, its portfolio through mix of debt and equity. And if I may add, Royce, I think one of the nice things about REITs in general is that it provides the investors a steady dividend stream. No? So, and, and that's one of the things that sort of compare us to bonds, for example, because there's a some sort of regularity in terms of having a dividend stream. So I think in determining which REIT to invest in, I think you also have to look at the sponsor's pipeline because that sort of gives you a feel of how the REIT can potentially expand and therefore the dividend base subsequently also expands as you infuse new assets. Correct. Thank you, Mr. Alvin, Mr. Joan, for that. Next question is, of course, in terms of the economy, there are a lot of questions in line with this. Would increasing interest rates impact rental income, whether it'll be positive or negative for seed and, and or its tenants' perspective? I think that's it's a two-part question. So again, first is, would increasing interest rates impact rental income? Second, would the contracts renewed recently or even the current ones be adjusted based on inflation? So go ahead. Yeah, so let me first answer the second question. The recently renewed contracts uh, were renewed at a higher, much higher tariff rate because normally our power sales agreement contracts always reference to the WSM or the wholesale electricity spot market price. So the WSM average price for the past year um, are at elevated prices compared to two years ago. Um, with regards to your first question, does the interest rate impacts rental income? Uh, the escalate, nor typical escalation for a rental income is always linked to inflation uh, rather than the interest rate. Um, it does not impact the bottom line of CREIT currently because we don't have debt. Therefore, the increase in the interest rate does not impact the bottom line of CREIT. Thank you for that answer, Mr. Oliver. This is uh, another question from our audience. So he or she said that 
we saw projects targeted to be finished by 2023. Are there more projects beyond 2023 or maybe something in the pipeline? So go ahead. Yeah, so these are uh, the table. The pipeline projects table only shows you 800 megawatt of the 1,500 megawatt. In fact, the pipeline projects of the sponsor is growing. In fact, it is more than 1.5 gigawatt already. But for conservative uh, purposes, we are only showing you 800 megawatt out of the 1,500 megawatt. Thank you. All right. So the next question is, I see a lot of questions uh, in the question and answer a chat box. So just to generalize uh, their set of questions, any plans on building a battery energy storage system? So let me just define it for, for, those, uh, for every listener out there. So battery storage or battery energy storage systems are devices that enable energy from renewables like solar and wind to be stored and then released when customers need power the most. So the question is, does Sirit have any plans on building a battery energy storage system? So go ahead. Yes. In fact, um, our Sambales and Batangas project in the, in the table of the pipeline projects will come with battery energy storage system. Uh, the future, really, in fact, it's not even the future. The present is to complement solar with battery energy storage system, thereby um, expand the solar market from currently serving only the day peak to include serving the night peak. All right. Thank you. So next question. We have a lot of questions. Next question is, according to this listener, he or she saw earlier that there are about 60% contracts that are not yet renewed. Does this affect the company's future if these contracts are not renewed? So go ahead. Um, you are referring to 63% that will be renewed beyond 2025. So, which means these contracts will only mature beyond 2025. And we are confident that we'll be able to renew uh, the 63%, mainly because we have um, a strong historical track record in renewing uh, existing power supply agreements. And we have been with these clients since 2017. All right. Thank you for that. I think this is an interesting question. This is a pretty simple question, but interesting Nonetheless, so the question is, what's the normal life of a solar panel? All our solar plants have a design useful life of 30 years. So, maramita, we are still on our, what, five years, six years? So, All right. Many more years. All right. That, that's good to know. That's good to know. So, it's young. It's still young. Okay. So, th- this is an interesting question. We have seen other Philippine companies expand their renewable energy operations in other countries, specifically countries with lots of growth prospects like Vietnam, Australia, India, given their positive energy demand prospects. So the question is, does Siri have any plans on building solar power plants outside Philippines? So, yeah. We are flexible. Uh, we're not only limiting ourselves to the Philippines. However, because of the uh, robust pipeline projects that our sponsor currently has, and, um, and because of the growing renewable energy demand in the Philippines, uh, at least in the next three years, our focus will remain the, uh, primarily be in the Philippines. All right. Thank you. So I also see at least a couple of questions related to this. So the question is, to generalize it with the company's asset infusion plans for 2023. Does the company see any regulatory challenge given REIT's three-year track record requirement? Are there any other regulatory risks the company foresee in the near term? And if yes, how will the company address them? I, I think we should take the three-year rule in a certain context. No, um, Recall that the first five REITs are commercial REITs. Okay. So the law was probably crafted or the implementing rules and regulations were sort of mapped out considering there is a three-year gestation period for these commercial buildings to go up to as high as 100% occupancy. This is quite different with CREIT and we are 
closely dialoguing with, with SEC and they understand that because our leased properties are 100% occupied on day one, then the three-year gestation period to ramp up your occupancy rate may not necessarily be applicable. So I think that's one positive for us because we are fully occupied on day one and we won't ever have a situation wherein the tenant will say, oh, you know, I'm just going to use 50 out of the 100 hectares that I'm occupying because their solar panels are tied with a service contract with clients, right? So like we're going to shut off some of the solar plants and, and the like. And and we, we've seen this, no? power is essential for, for everyone, whether it's a work from home scenario or back to the office scenario, everybody will still have that electricity requirement. It's sort of crisis resilient. Correct. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Joanne. So just to you know, dial back a bit, no? just to make the question a bit more you know, general, because I see a lot of even our clients and right now we see a lot of listeners ask this. Does SEED have any plans on venturing to other types of renewable energy such as wind, geothermal? Yes, go ahead. Uh, yeah, but Royce, before I, I answer that question, let me just uh, uh, add to the point of John. Uh, uh, so there are, currently there are limiting uh, provisions or regulations uh, with the current lead law that somehow limit the uh, ability of a non-office street to expand its portfolio. Uh, that's why you would notice when we did the CIRIT IPO, we have to structure it uh, uniquely uh, in order to meet the these um, uh, limitations. In fact, we are ready to infuse two additional assets into the into the RITO. And we are in discussion with the regulator. Uh, primary, uh, primary restrictions among others, would be the three-year track record, which we believe the regulator is very open to, to uh, amend that the three-year track record. Um, the second is for the read code to be able to recognize um, beyond the rental income as revenue. We are in discussion with them to allow read code to recognize sale of electricity as additional uh, revenue on top of the rental income. So we are in close uh, discussion with the regulators, and we believe that they are they would be open to basically introduce these changes, though it may take time. Okay. Now, going to your question, uh, while our pipeline are primarily solar farms, uh, we are looking into expanding into other renewable energy technology, such as runoff river. In fact, we are building our first runoff river. Uh, we're also looking at potential uh, offshore wind um, and also um, solar plus battery energy storage system. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Oliver, for that. The next question is interesting also because this is all about the power outlook in terms of supply affects the variable lease rates moving forward. So let me let me mention the, the question. So the question is what determines your variable lease structure? So given that it seems like the power outlook, the power supply outlook, at least in the next couple of years, there are going to be more supply. But it seems like based from other companies, it seems like the demand will still outpace supply. But given the goal and the outlook that supply, we will have more supply in the coming years. This suggests lower energy price moving forward. So how will this affect your variable lease structure? So go ahead. Uh, Royce. Unfortunately, where are the supply that you are mentioning? <laughs> you know, I think market consensus is that uh, there's no visibility on supply uh, outside of the renewable energy. Okay, uh, if you look at the traditional base load coal, uh, there's really no new coal that will be that is in the horizon. Okay, um, the currently the the stopgap measure for base load would be the LNG. And it will take probably another five years for, for an LNG to be on stream. Okay? Hence, we believe while there are many solar farms uh, that are in the pipeline, um, these are not sufficient enough to cover 
for the base load demand of the market. Um, remember that solar farms only operate at around 16 to 18% capacity factor. So while 1,000 megawatt may sound very large, in fact, the electricity that, that a solar farm, like a 1,000 megawatt, uh, that it can cater to is only around 160 megawatt or 180 megawatt. Hence, uh, we don't see supply uh, coming in, at least in the next three to five years. Hence, we believe that the prices uh, will remain elevated in the next five years. How will this uh, affect the variable list? Mia, would you want to explain how the variable list? Basically, we have the base revenue, which is anchored based on the uh, guaranteed base list that we have. Whatever is the excess from that base revenue, 50% of that goes to CN. So uh, I believe there's one question here wherein we are asked, when are we going to pay the special dividend? So the special dividend will be after we have determined whatever is the excess from the base revenue, which is after the completion of audit of CRIT as well as this solar plant. So what drives the base revenue or the excess of the base revenue? It would be in the form of the changes in prices of this uh, solar plant contracted to the customer, as well as any incremental increase from the volume, which we initially estimated based on the guaranteed base list. The guaranteed base list is based on the historical averages of the plant performance for the past three to five years. Hence, uh, there can be upside also on the volume or the output generated by this plant through the efficient and proper maintenance of our operations and maintenance team. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Oliver, Ms. Mia, for that. It's a good question that probably a lot of people are curious about. How resilient are solar panels in terms of withstanding typhoon, other calamities, and the like? So go ahead. Um, our, our solar uh, tables are designed, or the mounting structure where the solar panels are attached, are, are designed to withstand uh, 260 kph of wind. Because of the height of our solar uh, table, um, it's approximately around 1.5 meters. Um, it is not. Um, um, it will not be affected so much so by the wind or by typhoon because of the low uh, ground to to the to the tip of the solar panel. Uh, notwithstanding, all our solar plants are covered by property and business interruption insurance. So the property insurance covers practically 100% of the replacement cost in the event of, in the unlikely event of a total wipeout due to typhoon. While the business interruption insurance covers for up to six months of revenue losses, um, in our estimate, it will only take five months to restore a fully wiped out solar plants. All right. Thank you, Mr. Oliver. So the next question is interesting also. So the question is, may I know the rental income breakdown of RE lessees and those coming from your own RE assets? So go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just thinking, uh, we don't have a market reference. Uh, if I understand your question correctly, you're asking for an for, for a standard RE lease, right? Uh, if I get the question correctly, uh, unlike the office read, there is no comparable because we are the pioneer in the renewable energy uh, asset lease, okay? But uh, for our, uh, all our tenants are basically uh, related parties because they are the solar plant operators who serve as our tenants. Yeah. 
perhaps we can dissect renewable energy lessees by geographic location. No? It's one of the strengths of CREIT's investment platforms as well. It shows you that we are geographically spread across Luzon, Visayas, and Mindanao. While maybe other REITs may be concentric to CBDs and, and second-tier emerging CBDs, you will find that CREIT's land properties are located across various provinces. No? And in fact, you'll see the breakdown here. No? So there's no concentration risk. Second, there would probably be a very slim chance where in the whole Philippine archipelago would be under a, a massive typhoon system. No, I mean, that would come, I mean, touch wood, it hasn't happened. But I think having a various locations geographically spread across the three main island groups provides that level of comfort that we are mitigating any concentration risk. All right. Thank you, Ms. Joan. Again, back to another general question. What is the biggest barrier to the growth of solar energy today? So what does you think about this? So go ahead. Um, I will name top three biggest barrier. First is the transmission grid capacity. Uh, we all know that the entire uh, Philippine ar- archipelago is only managed or we only use one. Uh, transmission grid backbone and is managed by NGCP. So any uh, should there be delay in their expansion plan um, there, that can limit the expansion of any renewable energy because we deliver our electricity via the grid. Number two would be um, uh, regulatory environment. Okay, You know that uh, to put up a solar farm, we would need to secure almost 200 different permits, national and local permits. Uh, so I believe that the uh, previous administration and, and the, the new administration have been trying to do the ease of doing business initiatives. Uh, and it's been, it's been very helpful. So that would also be one of the barriers uh, for the expansion if the government uh, who are tasked to issue these permits uh, will essentially with the red tape bureaucracy. Third would be uh, land conversion uh, because our solar plant occupies huge tract of land and typically uh, they are located in previous agriculture land. However, we mitigate these uh, challenges via our agro-solar concept wherein first we, we carefully select unutilized or underutilized agriculture land. And second, we coexist our solar plant with the agriculture intent of the land. So we somehow uh, uh, mitigate the third barrier. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Next question. Do your tenants secure power supply agreements before construction projects are completed? Uh, Case to case. Uh, In fact, our Araya plant or, or the new plant we would prefer uh, selling it uh, as a merchant uh, for obvious reason. Uh, the Western prices are, are skyrocket high and we believe it will uh, remain to be so in the next three to five years. Uh, but notwithstanding, uh, we can easily secure a private PPA uh, if necessary. All right. Thank you. This question is quite specific. So the question is, what's the minimum? hectare that CUIT would rent or buy from a property owner. So, yeah. Uh, average would be one megawatt would occupy one hectares or 10,000 square meter. All right. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So this is another specific question. So what's the offtake level for the power facilities before the land gets infused to CUIT? Will land assets be infused to CUIT even if the power facility is purely Merchant? That's a very good question. Uh, remember that CRIT, um, there's a guaranteed base lease component. Hence, CRIT is not exposed to the price volatility of the Western market. It is our tenant who are directly uh, exposed to price volatility of the Western. Uh, the primary considerations for the folding in of any asset would be the, the 
IRR or the return, which essentially would be your the value accretive to the shareholder. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Oliver, for that. Actually, we have, you know, one last question. This is a interesting one, especially for you know investors out there. In terms of dividend yields and near-term growth prospects, what would be CREIT's differentiating factor versus other REITs, specifically mostly our property REITs naman, but yeah, what would be serious differentiating factor versus other REITs in the market? So go ahead, sir. Joanne, would you like to take that? One of the key advantages of CREIT or the investment thesis for investors out there considering various REITs, no? when you think about it, the primary import um, factor in determining um, where to put your money in would be the type of tenants that you have and how exposed these tenants to vulnerabilities in terms of occupancy or vacancies. No, We've seen the exodus of POGOs. We've seen PPOs downsizing their office spaces. And I think one thing that's very unique to CREIT, and we keep on um, harping about this, is that on day one, we're 100% occupied because there's only one-to-one relationship. There's one tenant, there's one landlord. So it's not like other commercial REITs or other property REITs wherein you have various companies occupying a, say, 20-story building, right? And also the industry of our tenants' customers are quite diverse. Some of them are manufacturing companies. Some of them are energy companies. Some of them are industrial parks and some are malls. You know, people go to to these malls as well. So having 100% occupancy rate from day one, having a diverse customer base is another. And I think the most important investment highlight for you to consider CREIT, in my opinion, is that you're putting your money in a green asset portfolio. That is your contribution to sustainability. While you may not have solar panels at home, but by investing in CREIT, you are doing your part in having a green investment portfolio. Correct. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. Before I conclude this event, any parting words to all CREIT investors out there and those looking to invest in CREIT? Go ahead, Ms. Joanne, Mr. Oliver, and or Ms. Mia. So cool. Yeah. Um, I saw in the question box, and I'll take a stab mm-hmm. at it. Somebody was asking about the price softness of the share price of CREIT. Okay. Again, we'll look at it in context of the total REIT market. All of the REITs year to date are all down. Think of it as a buying opportunity. You're basically buying the stock for cheap. Therefore, potentially, you could have a higher dividend yield because you're buying below IPO price, but there is nothing fundamentally wrong about CREIT. In fact, there is a huge visible pipeline of projects that can be infused into the REIT. So it's like you're getting it for a discount because of today's prices and the future dividends are yours for the taking. Great. Aside from what Joanne mentioned, I'd like to add that Sirit Hall also has a recurring and stable dividends coming from the guaranteed base lease from our projection. And that's very conservative. The guaranteed base lease is about 90, 98% of our total revenues. That indicates that the yield that we have projected during our IPO are relatively intact. And these are recurring and stable for a period of 20.8 years, considering that that's our weighted average lease expiry. And aside from that, while there's a guarantee because of the guaranteed base lease, it protects the investor from any downside in terms of market or economic conditions and operations of the solar plant. There's also an upside, which is based on the variable lease. So... This can also help increase the yields moving forward depending on the performance of this uh, solar plan in which CIRIT is able to uh, participate about 50% of what is the upside from these uh, solar plants. Yeah, and, and uh, as uh, my departing message to our dear shareholders and those who are still thinking whether they should invest in, in CIRIT, uh, we 
cannot overemphasize that we are operating in a very resilient industry and we have a very resilient product being electricity being a basic essential commodity and under a high interest rate environment these are usually adverse uh, to your typical properties in general okay now if you look at what's going on globally uh, with the russia ukraine uh, and and the very high inflation this is basically driven by very high commodity prices which include coal and and oil and it makes every government not only the philippine government it makes every government want to do energy transition to achieve energy security meaning you can only at, you can only address or achieve energy security through renewable energy because philippines don't have uh, don't have a high quality coal and and our malampaya gas is is depleted already philippines only have natural resources such as solar wind and and uh, runoff river so to achieve energy security the only way is to go renewable energy and we're talking about 6 to 10 years or maybe 15 years uh, down the line all right Thank you, everyone, actually, for the lively discussion today. I know all of us are bringing valuable knowledge from today's session. Actually, this is pretty interesting because I think this is the third time we brought Siri to our clients because this combines two things that a lot of our clients are interested about, RE and REIT. And all of those two things are all about what Siri is all about. So thank you, Mr. Oliver, Ms. Jo, and Ms. Mia for the thorough and well-crafted presentation and the live exchange during the Q&A. So this special briefing with CityCore Energy Read Corp was made possible, of course, with a partnership with First Metro Security. So this has been your host, Royce Aguilar. And First Metro Securities, it's your future first. So thank you, everyone. Thank you to our speakers. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to First Metro Securities Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast. Don't forget to follow us to get first dibs on our new episodes. For more up-to-date market news and info, exclusive content, and the opportunity to connect with your fellow Filipino investors and traders, join facebook.com slash groups slash First Metrosec and be part of the First Metrosec family. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.